happy new year. So glad that you are here. I mean, you guys are the real spiritual ones here. I mean, it's like not even 30 degrees outside. You're here. It's nice and warm. I know some of you are thinking, is it going to be cold in there today, Pastor Chris? It is, but I did. There, there is photo evidence. I did text Jonathan said, it is a little cold in here. Just turn it up just a little bit because we do tend to keep it a little cold in here. Just for the people, I started seeing people. My wife did, and I'm, we are very grateful. My wife was given by one of you amazing milestone members a heated blanket that she could plug in over there because apparently she's cold also. So we, we turned it up just a little bit this morning. But happy new year. So glad that you're here. We're excited that you've joined us. I don't know about you, but I'm ready for the new year. I'm excited about all that God has in store for us. I'm going to ask you, open up your Bibles, Luke chapter 9. We're going to get there in just a minute. But, you know, when you think about the new year and, uh, you know, you, you talk to people and you start talking about what are you looking forward to in the new year and things like that. And you'll, you'll hear people say things like, you know, I'm just looking for, for a sign. I'm looking for, for something new. I'm looking, you know, and some, some of you, you're kind of wired that way. You're like, is that a sign? Is that God? Well, I saw a sign this past week and it was from one of my favorite Mexican food places in Austin, Texas, where I grew up. And this is what it said. It said, when you realize 2022 is pronounced 2020-T-O-O, and you think, no, no, Lord, please, not again. So I did see that sign. Some of you, you'll get that. I saw that sign. So that's not the sign we're looking for, though. That's not the sign we're looking for. That's not what we're talking about. But in all seriousness, you think if you saw that sign and you're thinking, okay, what's 2022 going to be like? You're like, man, I better get myself ready. You, you think about it, I, I start preparing, and, and you know, some of you, I, there, there's, there's a few in our church are, you know, avid, uh, you know, farmers, almanac readers, and they were telling me, Pastor Chris, there's going to be another snow like we had last year, you know, so again, what are you doing? You're like, I better get prepared. I need to go buy a generator. I need to get gas. What do I do? I'm going to get a solar panel for my generator. I don't need, you know, all these things, and you think about preparation, and that's what I want to talk to you about. I want to talk to you about what happens when we live a prepared life? Now, you saw the video for it, and, and I'm going to talk a little bit more about uh, three days of prayer and fasting that we're going to have beginning a week from Monday. And it's a moment that's so significant for us as a church, but really, we find the significance not because we're doing an event as a church, but because it's a, a significant moment for you personally to grow in your relationship with God. And, and so what, what comes about in those moments? Why are moments like that? Why are moments like prepare? Why are they so significant and important? But you think about that word prepare. You think about preparation. And it's significant because we prepare for all sorts of things. You just got done, and you're probably wrapping up all the preparation that you went into for Christmas. Maybe you're like some of us in here. You've already brought down all the Christmas decorations, and you've got it all put away, and you're ready for spring and and you think about it so in my house we start setting up in November so I'm like I'm a maximizer I'm like if I'm gonna take this down in early January I want to get like two months out of this you know so it's like all the preparations but but you think about it if you're gonna get anywhere in life you're gonna prepare you gotta make plans you gotta make preparations for where you're going and when you think about the significance and the power of preparation we do it all the time you think about this, some of you may have traveled during Christmas. If you ever travel, what do you do? You prepare for that trip. I can remember the days now, you just pull it up on your phone. And it tells you where to go. I remember the days when you had to Google Maps, you had to like print the directions off. And you brought it with you and you had all the pieces of paper. And your co-pilot, you couldn't select 
Is it my copilot? Is the voice telling me to turn left or right? Is it a man? Is it a woman? Are they from England or South Africa? No, it was your copilot. And if your copilot is typically your spouse, then it's your spouse. And if you have a hard time listening to your spouse tell you what to do, then you had a hard time because they're telling you to go right and you're going, no, I want to go left. So, you know, all those things, not anymore. Now you got a phone, it tells you. But you got to put the information in the phone and, and you got to pull all the information up. You got to prepare. You prepare, I think about Wendy and I often do premarital counseling. And so people, you prepare for what? For marriage. You prepare for having a family. You prepare for buying a home. You prepare for retirement. You have a 401k. You prepare for all of these things. You prepare. You have a savings. If you have three daughters like myself and you're going to have three weddings and you better prepare. I need to prepare. Lord, help me. You got to prepare, okay? If you're a young person. You prepare. You prepare for college. You're planning for the SATs. You're planning what schools you're going to go visit with mom and dad. You're, if, you're, if you have your driver's license or you hope to soon, you're preparing. You go to driver's ed. We spend so much of our life preparing. But it amazes me in my own life as well how I can prepare for so many other things and sometimes miss preparing in the thing that matters most, preparing in my spiritual life preparing in my relationship with God, preparing in what that looks like. And so what I want to talk to you today is about where this preparation comes from. And I want to talk to you about what it looks like to live a prepared life. So not preparing for just a moment, not preparing around an event, not preparing around something that Milestone Church calls prepare, three days of prayer and fasting. And not just simply that, but living a life prepared. What is the significance of that? How does that impact our life? Well, I think before we look at that, we need to recognize and see where does preparation come from? Well, preparation comes from vision. Vision. Now, you may be going, come on, Pastor Chris. I mean, vision, preparation, spiritual life. Are you over-spiritualizing this? Well, I want us to just look at a, a, a scripture that maybe many of you are familiar with. It's Proverbs 29, 18. You see, because vision brings about preparation. That's why it's so important. And when you look at Proverbs 29, 18, it says this, Where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. But blessed is he who keeps the law. Where there's no vision, you cast off restraint. You need a vision. We have to have a vision for our life. And not just a vision that we got from a book or a vision we got from a podcast or a vision we got from a leadership conference or things like that. Vision from God. It's a vision that God has for What is the vision he has for our life? You see, we can have vision and ideas and wants for our life, but what's God's vision for our life? We have to recognize that, first off, God is the vision giver. If we want a God-given vision, then we need to spend time with the one who gives the vision, God himself. Spending time in prayer, spending time in his word, spending time in building relationship with him. But I love what this scripture says. It says, where there's no vision, the people cast off restraint. Now, restraint seems like it would have a negative connotation. Right up until you're driving faster than 10 miles an hour down the road and you get in an accident. And you're grateful for that restraint that you had called a seatbelt. Because in that moment, that restraint protected you. It may have saved your life. You see, a restraint keeps you not only from things that could potentially harm yourself or others, it also keeps you for what's ahead. 
It keeps you for the best thing that's ahead. If you've studied leadership any amount of time, you've probably heard this phrase, your best yes is a no. What is the context of that? The context is I'm going to restrain from saying yes to this now. I'm actually going to say no to it because I'm going to wait for something better later. It's restraint. Where does that come from? Vision. Vision for your life. I've spent a lot of time with young people. And, and, and oftentimes, you know, parents will be like, oh, Pastor Chris, you just, this is the problem, that's the problem, this is the problem. It, the things will change. Drugs, sex, and rock and roll, that's what it was. Uh, those were never the problem. Most of the time, most young people, and the truth is, it's not just young people. People in general, our biggest challenge is none of those things. I'm not saying those things are helpful or beneficial. The choices we make all have consequences, and we have the freedom to make our choices, but we don't have the freedom to choose our consequences. But most of us, what we fail to realize, our biggest challenge is none of those things. Our biggest challenge is a vision problem. You see, because if I had a vision for my life, and I had a vision for where I was going, and I had a vision for what God had in store for me, and I'm pursuing that vision, here's what would happen. I would say no to a lot of things that are keeping me from that vision. I'd start saying yes to a lot more things that are going to get me closer to that vision. So it's vision. It's vision. That's where vision, vision is so important. So if you're going to live a prepared life, well, where does that begin? It begins with vision. But, but here's the thing. You're like, all right, Pastor Chris, I get all that. I mean, I like vision. I want vision. I want to accomplish. I want to move forward. I want to see those things. I have a vision for my family, for my business, for, for my resources, my finances, financial. I have vision. I like all that. That's good. I'm tracking what you're saying. But here's the problem. So many people have a hard time living with that vision and living out vision. Why? I think there's a few reasons why we have a hard time living with vision. Uh, the first is this. I think we don't always know where to find it. Do, do we have the right source for our vision? Like I said, the source is not a leadership book, a networking community, a podcast, a YouTube channel, any of those things. I'm not saying any of those things are bad, but that's not my source. My source is God himself. He's the vision giver. And when I'm spending time with the vision giver, I end up getting a God-given vision, not just a great leadership idea, a great leadership vision. So I have to know, do I have the right source? If I, if I plant apple seeds all day long and then an apple tree grows and I'm frustrated that I don't have oranges, well, that makes no sense. If I want oranges, then what do I have to do? i got to plant orange seeds. You see, where is my source? But, but here's the next reason why I think sometimes vision and living with vision can be hard is because we don't know how to always pursue it in a healthy way. Do I have the right rhythm? Okay, i got a vision. It's a God-given vision. I'm excited about it. God gave it to me. But yet you go, 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 go. Can I tell you? I've lived that. It's not healthy. And it's not helpful. And you begin to strive, and you can. Here's how you know: when you start striving for something that is good, it may even be God, but you feel yourself overextended and stressed. God is a God of order. God brings peace. Okay. Now understand this, though: peace is not always clarity, and peace is not always ease. So don't mistake that. Oh, if I have peace about it, it's going to be easy. It's going to be super clear. No. Peace is a presence. His name is Jesus. He's with you and he's for you. So in the middle of your challenge, in the middle of the difficulty, you can still have peace even though things are uncertain and even though things are hard. Because he's with you and he's for you. 
But where does that come from? I'm pursuing the God-given vision in a healthy rhythm. Rhythm is significant. It's important. But here's the last reason why I think sometimes living with vision is hard. And I, and I think this is what really hits us. And this is what I want to focus on and kind of help tie together and unpack for you this morning. It's this. We have a hard time with vision because we don't know how to handle the waiting for vision to come to completion. Do I have the right timing? I got a good vision. I got God's vision. I've, I've spent time with him. I heard from him. But it's like, is it the right time? Some would say, and I think it breaks down just a little bit, but I've heard it said before, the right thing at the wrong time is the wrong thing. I think really what they're saying is sometimes when you don't recognize there's proper timing to what God may have put in your heart, how do you know if it's the right time? How do you know if you have the right rhythm? Well, here's one of the best ways to know is ask. Get perspective. You don't know what you don't know, so you have trusted voices God puts in your life. Start first with your spouse. They'll tell you. They'll tell you if you have a healthy rhythm or not. Well, trust me, I've told you before, I love biscuits. She's not shy about letting me know what she thinks about how I'm doing. With it. And there was a season where I didn't have a healthy rhythm. And she let me know. She, didn't see, she saw what I could not see. That's why God gives us trusted voices in our life to be able to see those things. But it's also the timing. Is it the right time for you to step out? Is it the right time and the right pace in which you do things? Well, what do we do in the middle of the waiting? Well, here's one thing I want to make real clear as we come into this new year. The thing that we're looking for, the promise that we want to obtain, the thing that we want to see happen isn't going to happen by the turning of a new year. It's going to happen by turning to Jesus. New beginnings don't happen because of the turning of a new year. New beginnings in our life happen because we turn to Jesus. And so we're going to look to Jesus today in Luke chapter 9, starting in verse 28. And we're going to look at what Jesus did. How did he live his life waiting? In the waiting, the in-between time, from the vision to the promise or the payoff, if you would. The end result of that. What did he do and, and what happens in that season? And what should we be doing in that season? Well, when we look at, at Luke chapter 9, let me just set up for you what's transpired here. First off, you think about the waiting season. Jesus, God incarnate, he knew what he came to do. But he spent 30 years in obscurity for three years of fulfilling what God had called him to do. Now, if I asked you, you've got a God-given vision, God has put in your heart something to do, but you're going to wait 90% of your life to then execute it for only 10%, how many of you would say, sign up for that? No. Most of us would go, no, I don't want that. I want it now. I want it right now. God said it, so let's do it. That's how we typically think. God said it, it must mean now. But when you don't have healthy rhythm or, health or proper timing, that's when we get pulled in multiple directions. And we become unhealthy in our spirit and our soul. And so Jesus, what did he do? Well, you got to look. Now he's in this time of ministry. And he's been performing miracles. He's serving other people. He's fed the 5,000. He's healed people. And he takes this moment and he models for us. He shows us something here in verse 28. He goes and does something very unique in this set of scriptures here. And he has individuals that he brings along. And so here he is, he's getting ready, he's getting one step closer to going to the cross and dying on the cross for, for our sins. And, and watch what happens in verse 28 of chapter 9. 
in Luke. It says, but about eight days after Jesus said this, he took Peter, John, and James with him and went up on a mountain to pray. Now, I want you to recognize something. This is something that Jesus did often. This wasn't the first time Jesus went away to be with God, went away to pray and spend time with his heavenly Father. But the other thing that's very unique about this text here is that he took people with him. He took someone with him. You see, the greatest thing that you can do is take others along the way with you. The things that you're doing, the way that you're growing, help. What's he doing? He's modeling He's modeling for the disciples. Hey, you're going to need a little bit of this because I'm about to go. I keep telling you I'm leaving. They still hadn't fathomed everything that he was saying. So he's modeling for them, and he's also mentoring them by bringing them along. He's helping them and showing them. Verse 29, as he was praying, the appearance of his face changed, and his clothes became as bright as a flashing light. Now watch this. Imagine if you were uh, Peter, James, and John. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. Now, I love this part right here. This is going to give you hope because this gives me hope. You know, that, that, that way I'm not like, man, what's, what's happening here? Imagine this moment. Peter, James, and John, they're with Jesus. All of a sudden, he turns shiny and bright. And these two individuals they've heard of, Moses and Elijah, show up. They see them. Now watch what they did. Verse 32. Peter and his companions were very sleepy. So if you've ever fallen asleep in the middle of my message, I mean, I'm like, it's so powerful. It's so good. I'm not saying it's equal to Jesus being here and he's shiny and then Moses and Elijah show up, but it's pretty good. I'm like on this morning and you're falling asleep. I don't, I'm not so mad at you anymore because look, you're in good company. Peter, James, and John, they're in this moment. Imagine if you were there. They're falling asleep in church. If you've ever fallen asleep in church, you're in good company. But here's what happens. But when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. All of a sudden, boom, they begin to see something that they hadn't seen before. Verse uh, 33, as the men were leaving, Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, it's good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Verse 34, while he was speaking, a cloud appeared and covered them, and they were afraid, and they entered the cloud. And a voice came from the cloud saying, this is my son whom I have chosen. Listen to him. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, they found that Jesus was alone, and the disciples kept this to themselves and did not tell anyone at the time what they had seen. On the next day, when they had come down from the mountain, a great crowd met them. Now, I, I want to highlight two specific things here. One is they recognize it's good for us to be in this moment. It's good for us to have this moment where we are here seeing and experience this. And then you have this moment where God shows up and he's very clear about what he wants them to do. He says, listen to them. Listen to them. And so we're going to look at those two aspects of, of this moment that they recognize that they're in and the importance of what God tells them to do. You see, the story goes on, and what happens is they come down. They, Jesus then assembles the 72, sends them out two by two. He heals this boy. He begins to get one step closer. He's helping them understand, listen, I'm trying to prepare you for what's ahead. I'm about to go to be with the Father. 
And so you need some preparation here because what I'm calling you into is going to require more of you than you think. So what is it that we see here? Well, here's the first thing. I want us to recognize this. There's a real clear pattern in Scripture that we see here. And it's this. When we set aside time to spend with God, it impacts our life. And when it impacts our life, he then in turn sends us out to share with others. Now, remember what they did. They're up there like, it's good for us to be here. Let's set up camp. Let's camp out here. Jesus is like, you don't, you, you don't even understand really what you're saying. They come down, and what happens? They come down from that moment, being with God, experiencing this moment that they should experience. It's impactful, but it wasn't just for them. It was for others. Because what happens? He sends them out. You see, anytime you have a moment where God begins to impact your life, it's rarely, if ever, just for you. It should spill over in impacting those around you. It should spill over in how you interact with others, starting in your home and then moving out to those things around you. Now, now why is this so significant? So we have vision, and vision brings about preparation. But then you have this, 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 this moment, this, this in-between between the vision and the promise when it comes to fulfillment. So what do we do in the middle there? We prepare. That's why preparation is so important. You see, what was Jesus doing? This whole time, Jesus, he's learning. You, you think when he went into ministry for those three years and started performing miracles, that he just in that moment started going away to be with the Father? No, there was 30 years of no one seeing and knowing of him going away to be with the Father. It was him preparing so that when he came into the moment of three years of ministry, performing miracles and getting one step closer to going to ultimately die on the cross for my sins and for years, what was it? When in those moments, he just simply continued to do what he had prepared himself to do for 30 years prior to that. You see, when you're in the middle, you may go, Pastor Chris, I've got a vision. I like it. I've got a God-given vision. I see. I, re I resonate with what you're saying. I like what you're saying. I want to move forward. I like all this. I feel like it's from God. It is from God. All these things. But when's it going to happen? The hard part is not the vision. It's the when's it going to happen. When's it going to happen? When's it going to happen? It's like if you've ever built a home or if you've ever built anything, two things that you know it takes longer and costs more than you thought. And anyone who's ever built a house uh, or built anything else says amen to that because you know. So what do you do in the waiting? You prepare. Why is this so important? You're like, Pastor Chris, why is this so key? Is this significant because it's like a New Year's resolution message? No. This is so important because what I want you to understand is that God has something significant in store for you this year. I'm not just talking hyperbole. I'm not just going, oh, that's well-wishing, and that's good thinking, and that's what you should say. You're a pastor. Encourage us and, you know, give us. No, 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 no. I want you to understand that because God not only wants to do something significant in your life, he wants to do something significant through your life. Now, you may go, well, what about a plan? I mean, we all hear the phrase, you know, you, 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 uh, you fail to plan, then you plan to fail. And, and look, planning is good. We need a plan. And you need a plan so you know how to prepare, right? But the plan doesn't dictate the execution. It's the preparation that dictates the execution. 
Practice doesn't make perfect. People say that often. That's performance. Practice makes permanent. What is practice? It's the preparation. You're preparing for what's ahead. Because there's a lot of people that have a plan. If you watch sports in any, in any sense of the imagination, how many times do you hear coaches go, well, we had a plan. We just didn't execute it. Why? Typically it's because they didn't prepare themselves properly. But we can And we should. Why? Because God has something significant and great in store for us. And the reason that's so important is because that preparation brings about provision. It brings about us seeing the promise that God has in store for our life come to pass. What is provision? Well, you break that down. It's two words. Provision. When you look at the original context, what does that mean? For the vision. God wants to give you resources. He wants to give you ideas. He wants to give you creativity. I love Deuteronomy. The, 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 uh, the, the writer in Deuteronomy is saying, Lord, give us creativity. I'm, I'm summarizing here. Give us creativity to generate wealth. We have God ideas to do what he's called us to do. Why? For the vision. What is the vision? Well, you think about for us as a church, it's reaching people, building lives. God has a purpose and a plan. He wants to build your life. He wants to build your children's lives. He wants to build your marriage. He wants to build your business. But it's because of a God vision, not just because of your good idea. And so you begin to pursue that, and it begins to impact those around you. You see, the hardest part about preparation is starting. It's hard to start. If you've ever started anything, start working out again. It's the new year. Start a diet. It's the new year. Start all these things. It's hard to start. And everything is well and good right up until you experience a challenge. But it's the preparation that holds you because you have a vision that that's tied to. It restra- that vision restrains you from straying from what God spoke to you. That's what Proverbs 29 18 is saying. You see, it's all well and good. We all have it. It's like, man, okay, I've got a vision. I've got a good idea. And it's, but all of a sudden we hit challenges. We hit challenges and then it becomes hard. Like the great philosopher Mike Tyson said, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. (laughs) It's all like, hey, I got it up. Boom. Oh, man. See, this this past year, you got punched in the mouth spiritually. And you, you stumbled. And it may have stumbled you, but the question is, did you keep moving forward? Well, vision holds you to that. I'm just going to tell you, I'm not, this is not like rain on your parade, chicken little, the sky is falling. 2022, you may get punched in the mouth, but you know what? You still have the victory. Because life and circumstances and finance and all these things may try and derail you and punch you in the mouth. But can I tell you, my plan and my preparation is found in Jesus. My peace is found in Jesus, not in my circumstances or my situation. So that vision for what God has for me and my family, I can keep moving forward towards. Doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Doesn't mean it'll just be all just rainbows and unicorns. But I can keep moving forward. So what happens? What happens when we live a prepared life? I'm going to give you three simple things and then give you kind of an action step, really, why we do prepare, which begins a week from Monday, and how you can be involved and be engaged to live a prepared life, not just simply be a part of a prepared moment. Well, here's the first thing I think that happens when we live a prepared life. We partner with God. 
We partner with God. We begin to see things from a greater context. God has something so significant and great for you. Can I tell you, we all live busy lives, but we don't all live significant lives. We all live busy lives, but the busyness doesn't mean it's meaningful. But the truth is, in our heart of hearts, at the root of who we are, that's what we want. We want to live a life of significance. Am I making a difference? God is calling you into that. You go, Pastor Chris, how do you know that? Well, here's how I know that. You look at his word, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. It says, for we are his workmanship. One translation in the NLT says, you are his masterpiece. I love that. You are a masterpiece. The mornings you get up and you don't feel like a masterpiece, and no, you, you got punched in the mat. You're like, I look like I got punched. I didn't, but I look like I got punched in the mat. You look at yourself in the mirror in the morning. You know, I'm a masterpiece. God has a purpose and a plan. He created you as a masterpiece. You're created in Christ Jesus. Here's, here it is. For good works. That means there's something good he created you to do. Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So you weren't just created for them. You were created to walk in them. Which means God is saying, I'm calling you in. I want to partner with you. I want Now look, I love New Year's resolutions. I love change. Look, here's the thing. We all like new. You do. You like a new car. You like new shoes. You like new hairdo. You like new nails. You like new whatever new it is. Okay, you like new. But we don't all like change. But if you're going to get something new, guess what you got to do? You're going to need something new. Because what God is preparing you for and taking you into isn't same, same. It's same, different. It's not going to be doing the same thing you did once before. He's partnering. He wants to partner with you. When you live a life prepared, can I tell you what happens? You prepare yourself for that moment that God says, now's the time. I'm calling you into this moment. Now's the time I'm asking you to step out. Now's the, now I'm asking. What, and what, what begins to happen there? You begin to impact other people. You begin to impact other people. You see, New Year's resolutions and all those things, at the end of the day, I like it. I love all that stuff. I'm not opposed to it. But at the end of the day, just call it what it, it's more self-help than it is anything else. It's about me. But when you get with God and he impacts your life, all of a sudden, it quickly becomes about other people. It becomes about other people. And for those of you that are parents in here, you know what I'm talking about. It's amazing how you lived your life for you all of a sudden. You start having children and it's like all about them, all about them, all about them. I can remember growing up, I, my parents were here a couple of weekends ago. And I remember, of course, I'm an you know, ignorant Teenager, not all teenagers in here. Ignorant, I'm telling you that, but you know, whatever. And so it, it's like, you know, I didn't know any better. That's what ignorant means, okay? Just didn't know any better. And I remember thinking, I'm like, you know, 14, 15, and I'm like, Dad, which now he'd be cool because he had the dad shoes when the dad shoes weren't cool. And I'm like, Dad, why are you wearing them shoes? Why you got like jean shorts? Now they're back in. Those aren't in, Dad. Why like you? You know, and they're like down to here, like that cargo pant. What are you doing, Dad? I mean, come on. And I can remember, I'm just kind of thinking I'm giving him a hard time because Dad needs to step up his cool game in his dress. And I remember him telling me this, and I don't even—he wasn't meaning it to be like a like kind of like shift my perspective, but it did. But not until later. And I remember thinking back on that moment. I remember he said, "Son." I do without so you and your brothers and your mom can have. 
He's like, I had these shoes for 20 years, you know. He's like, same pair of tennis shoes he's had for 20 years. And he's just walking in them. And he, you know, just, he's like, you know, if he would have held on to them another 20 years, he'd come back around. He'd be cool. He'd be a 65, almost 70-year-old man with dad shoes. And I'd be like, that guy's cool. He's like, I had these when they first came out. These are Gen 1, you know. But what was it? He's thinking about others. You see, God wants to, when you live a prepared life, you recognize God is calling you in to his purpose, his plan. And when you experience that, can I tell you, you experience exactly what Alex talked about when he got up here and was praying. We experience the God who is able, doing exceedingly abundantly more than we could ever ask, think, or imagine. Ephesians 3.20. He is able. He's able. So God is calling us into these things. And when we, pray, when we live a life prepared, we begin to partner with God. But here's the second thing that we begin to experience when we partner with God is we quiet the uncertainty of emotions. And we remind ourselves of his faithfulness. I love what Paul wrote, 2 Timothy 2.13. He remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. You see, when I live a prepared life, what happens is I remind myself of God's faithfulness. You can prepare out of fear or you can prepare out of faith. What is faith? It's the evidence of things unseen. You begin to recognize and see that God is working and moving. And let me be clear, emotions are not the enemy. God gave us emotions. We're created with emotions. They're not the problem. Emotions are a good indicator, but they are a terrible guide. We need to listen to our emotions. We need to learn from our emotions. But we don't need to be led by or ruled by our emotions. So so they're not the enemy. What we have to recognize is when I prepare myself, there's going to be all sorts of emotions that come because of different circumstances and situations. And I can either listen to those emotions or I can go, boop, time out. You know, the old Zach, Zach Morris time out. You know, you remember say by the by, everything froze, you know. Time out, you know, some of you, you way too young. You're like, yeah, I know Saved by the Bell. No, I, was, I saw the original Saturday morning, you know, when they first came out. Y'all watching reruns on like Nickelodeon or something. Boom, time out, everything froze. And he's like talking, you, time out. No, 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 no. I'm not going to be ruled by fear. I'm not going to be ruled by my emotions. I'm not going to be ruled by that. I'm going to look back at how God has been faithful. You see, because my faith is not in my preparedness. It's in the God who prepares me. Worrying is paying tomorrow's frustration with today's peace. And we worry a lot. We end up worrying and being overwhelmed and there's anxiety. So, so how do we do that? Where do we experience that? One of the primary ways that we can prepare ourselves is through God's word. Look what else Paul wrote later on in 2 Timothy in chapter 3, verse 16 through 17. says, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful. It's useful, but it's only useful if you use it. It's useful to teach us what is true and make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. Verse 17, God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. You see, God is faithful. And you may be going, well, I I haven't seen. How do I, 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 I can't look back and see where he's been faithful. Well, where you can start is start by looking back at his word. When you read the word of God, you see God's faithfulness. So it may not be your life, but you'll look back on the lives of others and see how God has been faithful. So just go there. 
But you may go, but, but this past year has been terrible. Or my life, Pastor Chris, you don't understand or recognize the hardship and the challenges. And first off, I'm sorry for that. I know we all experience challenging things. The reason I know that is because Jesus said that. John 16, he said, in this world you will face trouble, but take heart for I have overcome the world. So he will give you victory over that and you can look back on that faithfulness. And so you may be in a season where you feel like I'm just stuck. I just, I'm trying to move forward. Well, maybe you're not stuck. Maybe you're just in a season. A season like Jesus was. Or a season like David. Or Joseph. Or Moses. Or other people in the Bible that God gave a vision to. And there was anywhere from 14, 30, 40 years between when the vision was given and when it came to pass. Maybe you're not stuck. Maybe you're in a season. And the enemy wants you to feel discouraged and overwhelmed and quit and throw in the towel. But you know what you do? Time out. You look back at his faithfulness. So you may be stuck. You may be in a season. Or, or maybe you stopped. You feel like, why am I at where I'm at? I can't see where God's been faithful. Well, maybe you stop. Maybe you stop being intentional. Spending time with God in his word and prayer. Maybe you stop building relationship with him and with others. Maybe you stop actively being a part and serving and helping and thinking of other people in your family and outside of your family. Maybe you stop, or maybe it's a little bit of all of it. But can I tell you something? God wastes nothing. I was reminded of this when I saw an article. I, I, I've shared with you I love to hike and, and backpack, and, and I love going to the national parks. And one of the national parks I'm intrigued by is Death Valley. Now, Death Valley is basically an expanse of, of, of the nation that basically nothing lives. The, it's, it's barren. There's, there's desert. There's sand. There's mountains. There's, there's topsoil. It, on average, gets about two inches of rain a year. So no one lives there, and nothing grows there. There's really not any, any life that's there. But something significant happened in 2016, and prior to that, something, it happened previous to that in 2005. And it was this phenomenon they called the super bloom, where all across Death Valley, all of a sudden wildflowers started sprouting up and exploding everywhere. They had this significant amount of rain that October, and all of a sudden, boom, this happens. And these are the words of a park ranger. Here's what he said when talking about what happened in Death Valley. There's so many seeds out there just waiting to sprout, just waiting to grow. When you get the perfect conditions, the perfect storm, so to speak, those seeds can sprout all at once. These areas that are normally just rock, just soil, just barren, not even shrubs, it's a wasteland. So Death Valley really does go from being a valley of death to being a valley of life. So perhaps maybe the thing you thought was dead isn't dead. It's just dormant. And the storm that you're coming into that you're wishing would stop is actually going to provide the rain that's going to bring about the seeds that are there. So when you're in the middle of feeling like I'm in the middle of Death Valley, what's happening? When is this going to happen? How am I going to get there? Just know God's working and he's moving. And you look back at his faithfulness. And as you do, you begin to water the seeds that he's planted. And it's only a matter of time before those things begin to bloom. There's more there than you realize. Where does that come from? By living a prepared life. And quieting the uncertainty of emotions. Because then when that happens, here's what happens. You begin to build faith. 
You build faith. You see, what happens is this, is I love the writer of Hebrews. He says that faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things unseen. When you look at different, different translations, there's other words that are used in, in that scripture, words like confidence, reality, substance of things hoped for, things unseen. But here's the truth about all of those different translations in that scripture is that there's things that are unseen. You see, sometimes I think we confuse faith with belief. We say, I just need to have faith. Really what we're saying is, I just need to believe it's going to work out. But what happens is when it doesn't work out, what do we say? I just lost my faith. No, we, we were believing for something. How do I know that? Because what happens is, oh, when I see it, I'll believe it. Because we're looking for belief, but when I read my word, faith is the things unseen. I don't see it just yet, but I'm holding on to God's promise. I'm holding on to that vision. I'm going to continue to prepare myself by doing what I need to do and keep taking steps forward and trusting God and meeting with him and being in the word and being in prayer. Because there will come a moment where that super bloom is going to happen. And I see it happen because I've prepared myself for it. You see, faith, it's what God's doing. It's what he's working. You see, it's why we have moments like prepare. Because it's in that moment in prepare you experience God in a certain way through prayer and fasting that otherwise you may not. But make no mistake, what begins to happen is it's in those moments you do exactly what God told you to do. Listen to God. Listen to God. That's what God told the disciples on that mountain. He said, listen, this is my son. Listen to him. And when that happens, we not only learn to hear his voice for that moment, we learn to hear his voice for our kids, for our business, for our marriage, for our relationship, beyond just that moment. So what am I asking you to do? Well, here I'm going to make it very practical, and then I'm going to pray for you. Here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to go on a three-day journey with us. Three-day journey. Starting a week from Monday. And, and I'm going to ask you to be a part of this three-day journey and engage with prepare. Now, now, there's a couple of ways we're creating opportunities for you to engage with prepare. Well, first is this. Next week, there will be a prepare prayer guide. We, we put together a prayer guide. helps you kind of walk through the season, write down and journal things you're believing for from the Lord during that season, things you're praying about. We're going to invite you to pre-service prayer. We'll have pre-service prayer at 6 o'clock in this room beginning a week from Monday, okay? Pre-service prayer. I'm going to ask you to be a part and join the evening services. You're like, man, be here at church three nights in a row? Pray? And then fast? You're like, I can do all of it except fast. I mean, Pastor Craig, I mean, you, you lost me at fast. You know, you're like, I used to go to Milestone Church. I don't go there anymore. Why not? They said the F word. What F word? Oh, my God. Yeah, fast. They said fast. Why don't I can't do that? You see, here's the thing about prayer and fasting. Prayer is not getting an answer to your request. It's getting God's perspective on a circumstance or situation. And fasting is not manipulating God or uh, it's not a diet, okay? It, it's not being over-spiritual. Fasting is an invitation, inviting God into your relationship. It's a spiritual discipline. It releases God's anointing on your life. 
But we have two other things that we have this year for you to engage with. It's going to be a little different. We're going to set up an email where you'll get a daily devotion during prepare. But then what we've done for years is we've had noon prayer with our staff. We're expanding that on all our social media uh, channels. We're actually going to have noon prayer available for everyone to join. We're going to actually stream in from our Keller campus here. And what we'll do is our, our team, our staff will be here. And we invite you, if you're nearby, you can join in here or wherever you're at. Hop on the social media platforms and join in with noon prayer. But I'm telling you, when you set aside specific time like this to prepare, you will then in turn be prepared for anything.